good to be here today and good to see all of you. Is my mic on? I hope it is. Am I on okay? It is all right? Okay. A lot of people request that it not be turned on, that it be muted. You know, there's interesting things about these microphones. I didn't know all of this, but they can actually record blood pressure, uh, heart rate. Uh, they know if you're going into AFib or uh, how high your uh, cholesterol level is. Blood, you can tell. Uh, one, <laughs> kind of like that one lady that put on her tombstone, said, I told you I was sick. Well, anyway, <laughs> if you have your Bibles today, it's an honor to be with you and uh, hard to not preach when you try to teach. And Brother Parmar, good to see you and your beautiful wife and to be with all of you today and thank you for your prayers. And he told me that he prays for me every day. What an encouragement that is. If you would turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 57, and probably about verse number 15. And I want to do a little teaching today, if I can. If you got there, say amen. Isaiah 57 and 15. Everybody got there? It's right after Luke in the New Testament. <laughs> All right, let's stand and we'll read one verse of Scripture. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. You may be seated. I'd like to do a little teaching today on how do we know when, revi when revival comes. I think that probably I must confess to you, I don't know if I have ever been in a great sweeping revival at my age. I've heard of those revivals. I've heard of the, the one in the Hebrides back in the late 1940s. I've heard of the Great Awakening that Brother Marty was kind to take us on last year. And if I recall, Brother Marty, the British preacher George Whitfield was born in 1714 and died in 1770. And they say that it was his preaching, his messages that Benjamin Franklin picked up in his newspaper, the Gazette, that perhaps may have become the nucleus or the genesis for the seeds of rebellion. And, uh, but I don't know. I know we have some good meetings. I've heard of the revival that was down in uh, Burlington. I know Brother C.T. and anything that I say will be complimentary. I would never openly or knowingly try to put another man of God down. I don't like that. But what I'm trying to say is I heard of that meeting and there may be others. Uh, it seems like that back in the 40s, and now this is just my perception, you know, when Billy Graham got started, you know, they those stadiums would be, you know, 
thousands and thousands of people. And I know at that particular time, it seemed to me that he preached the gospel pretty straight, I thought, the plan of salvation. I'm talking about early 40s, 50s, and maybe even up into the 60s and so on. I've heard of other meetings, but I don't know that I've ever heard of meetings like Charles Finney was in up here in some of these New England towns where in the 1870s, where the organizers would go around, try to find a place for a meeting, and it's been reported that men there in those mercantile shops and plants would actually get off their chairs and fall down on the floor and beg God to save them. Seemingly, there was something that's quite unusual. They say that when the Presbyterian minister, Billy Sunday, would preach, I know he came to Richmond, Indiana. I used to go up there and we'd have programs up at Winona Lake, Indiana, where Billy Sunday's tabernacle was, that they're filmed up there and... Uh, that when he would preach that oftentimes saloons would close, that people would just, the whole community would get revived. My dad said that back in his day, and my dad was born in 1891, but he said back when he was a young man that if they didn't have 35 or 40 people to baptize, they didn't think that maybe the revival had been very successful. Now, I know a revival is for church people, believers. I know that. But the evidence of it oftentimes was that there would be quite a number of people that would profess hope in Christ. Now, at the risk of being negative, and I don't like that. I've already told you that. Uh, I think, and I've got hope that maybe God would do it again. Now, I know there are those that says, well, that in these last days, in the Laodicean church age, that it's not going to happen. Now, they may be a lot smarter than me, but I still believe that 2 Chronicles 7.14 is in the book. Now, I know that he was speaking to the Jewish people there, but I believe the general principles would be applicable for us today. I believe if people would humble themselves and pray and seek his face and turn from their wicked ways. He said, then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and heal their land. How would we know if revival came? Now, I, uh, uh, I realize I talk to church people a lot. I was talking to a fellow the other day, and please don't let this be a negative with you. I'm just giving a few reports, and then I'll get to the message. And he's got a church over around Connorsville, Indiana. And he said, Brother Andrew, he said, I, I'm honest. He said, I'm just holding on. Last year, I was at a meeting, and there was a fellow, I believe that he may be Southern Baptist evangelist. But uh, I was invited to the meeting, and they have this fellow every year too, among other preachers. And uh, he's always treated me with respect and uh, myself likewise. I'm not Southern Baptist, but I'm not knocking people. That's just not my thing. I will say this, that he told me, he said he attends a great large church in North Carolina. But he said our church on Sunday night has continuously lost attendees. And he said, um, 
that we're um, thinking about maybe, I guess, discontinuing it. Now, he was talking about a church that on Sunday morning that maybe had 20-some hundred people. So I don't know. Do the times affect us or do we affect the times? The Bible said right here, he said this, for thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity. I want to stop right there. I saw something, brother, shot in this the other day. A fella helped me with this, and I wish I had a long cord, like a bungee cord or a rope or something. You know, the only perspective that you and I have is in the space that we see. If you would take your Bibles and hold it right in front of your face, you're only seeing the, the width of that Bible. But back there somewhere in eternity, God was. God is and he forever shall be. Now what I'm trying to get across, we know that God is everywhere. and I mean, that God knows everything. Now this is where it gets very mind-boggling. But he's everywhere at once. God was at the Civil War before the Civil War was ever taking place. He is eternal. Nothing ever takes God by surprise. Did it ever occur to you that nothing ever occurs to God? Eternity is what God is. He was is and forever shall be. Now, I want to I just blow your mind just a little bit. Before the first bird ever chirped in the Garden of Eden, he saw Anna Marie sitting here on this third row. You see, when Mary looked on his little face, do you suppose that she wondered that this was the same little boy that had spoken the worlds in their place? When she looked down and smiled, he was her maker as well as her child. He created the womb that gave him birth. I mean, when she heard his very first cry, boy, this is good. You better grab somebody by the hand on this one. This was the same voice that had thundered on Mount Sinai. Somebody ought to say heavy, like the young people. When she had that little old hand so tenderly, this was the same hand that had made a path through the mighty Red Sea. I think, Brother Parmar, I think that we, maybe in our country particularly, and maybe in other countries, have lost sight, first of all, of the righteousness and the holiness of God. How holy that he is. I believe that. God is a thrice holy God. There is no way that I can use any adjectives if I could study the etymological derivation of words, if I knew the thesaurus backwards and forwards, if my mind were encyclopedic, I would not be able to find the adjectives that would do justice to who he is. 
God created everything. He is everywhere at once, knows everything at once. But I think, unfortunately, we've kindly lost sight of the holiness of God. He's so holy that the angels are at his beck and call. The seraphims, the four and the 20 elders before him, they say, amen, amen. I go to a lot of churches and I'm not getting on anybody. I know a lot of people want to say it, but they feel inhibited. Now I know a preacher that says this. He said, you'll never do adequate praising of the Lord until you're willing first to embarrass the flesh. I have never gone to my wife. Now I'm going to use a little illustration. I have never gone to my wife like this and said, oh, precious, you are so beautiful. You are, grandeur is all over you. You look so magnificent. And that splendor and nectar flows right from your lips. I think some people have the idea that when we get to heaven, we'll be like butterflies. And that we'll say, oh, 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 yeah, God. I, I, I do like that wall of Jasper pretty good. Do you know what we're going to do? We're going to fall at his feet. Amen. We're going to worship him. Now, I tell Brother Marty all the time because he knows his truth. I'm just really a fried bologna kind of guy. I really am. I tell you what, every once in a while, I get me a can of Spam. I've got two cans or did have of Beanie Weenies at home right now. I'm telling you, you've got to have a can of potted meat occasionally. A friend of ours that helps me every once in a while in the office, she says it's dog food. But how could you go through life and not enjoy some of those specimens. See, I know even, you know, when those hogs went over the cliffs there with the demonic spirits, that's the first example of devil ham. <laughs> and supposedly they said, this is suicide. <laughs> that's terrible. The jokes don't get any better. Somebody told me not to give up my day job or whatever. <laughs> but you see, I'm trying to get people somehow to loosen up. And I know we come from various backgrounds, but men, I'm not trying to be in more detail than I should, but every once in a while, you just throw a great big smack, water smouth things, kiss right on your wife. She's yours. And you say, man, I'm in love with you. I wonder what it would be like today if we told the Lord that we're in love with him. 
They say that J. Harold Smith, friends of mine, said that every night on a yellow legal paper, J. Harold Smith would write a love letter to the Lord, tell him how much he loved him. I wonder what that would do for us. He said, it's all right if I preach a little bit. You know I can't teach. The Lord said, you draw nigh to me, and I'll draw nigh to you. How close can you be to the Lord? He got so close, let me illustrate, that that beloved John, just as a teenager, he wanted to put his breast, head right over on Christ's breast, did he not? Did Christ say, don't you be doing that, John? Or did he let him do it? How close would you like to be to the Lord? I wonder today, now I'm just wondering because you're all my friends, but if I ask some of you to jump up right now and start bragging on him, that's what they call it down in Appalachia. What we would say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a, 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 an exercise. Are you ready for it? Nobody in this house, wonderful Harvest Baptist Church, can stand up and for two minutes give God, Jesus Christ, the accolades and the worship and the praise and the adoration that he deserves. You do it for two minutes and you'll shout. What we do sometimes, we get up and they'll say, well, now, Lord, you know this TB, the mustache I've got, this lumbago here, and this pain here in this right elbow here, that's not praising the Lord. Now, I'm not against you telling him this, but what if you'd get up sometime and say, you're the fairest of 10,000. You're the alpha and the omega. You're altogether the lovely one. You are the beautiful rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley. You are that man. I feel like you are that bomb in Gilead. You are that rose, that bud that rose, that budded. You are Aaron's bud. You are that manna come down from heaven. You'll shout. I saw a woman yesterday in the airport, and I surely and I both looked. We weren't being critical, boy. There's some guy came through, and she had something written on a paper. I don't know what it was. She might have been welcome home or something, but I'll guarantee you that was her husband. She came off the floor, both feet kicked up. Man, man they kissed there. I almost got. <laughs> I said, Shirley, I said, he'd been in war. He'd been away. She didn't just reach up there and say, hi, honey. Would you like to shake hands with me? That's the attitude of worship in most places. You might say, well, it's just germane to our area. Break it then. You might say, well, I just worship quietly. I, I told the other group that. I was talking to a lady in Florida. I wasn't trying to be smart, Ellie. She may have thought I was. She said, well, I worship quietly. I said, oh? I said, do you take the same approach towards your husband? How long would our mates stay with them if we showed them the same degree of affection 
and honor and love that we show Christ. They tell me, I don't know. My wife and I have been married 54 years. When we got married, preacher, the preacher told me, he said, this will be for better or for worse. And Shirley said, yeah, you couldn't have done better and I doubt if I could have done worse. <laughs> but boy, I was in love. If she'd have said, hey, babe, I'm coming to Muncie, but the bus broke down in Lexington and they're giving bad weather, I'd have said, hey, <laughs> that's not a problem for me. You've never seen me on the highway with snow and ice. You leave the driving to me. I'm headed that direction. And she just said, well, hey, I, 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 I don't, I've run out of money. I don't have enough money. I didn't have any money either. We were as poor as what old brother Billy Kelly used to say. He said they were so poor that when his mother would fix those cathead biscuits, they'd run outside and let the aroma of the neighbor's ham flow through it. He said every year at Christmas time, his dad go out and fire the shotgun and come in and tell all the kids that Santa Claus had committed suicide. <laughs> now that's being poor, isn't it? But you know what? I was in love. What's one of the first things that we know in Laodicea and church age in those days? You have left what? Your first love. Are we truly in love with the Lord today? I submit, I've thought about doing it and then the devil. Anybody know anything about the devil? One lady told uh, the old Nazarene preacher, Uncle Buddy Robinson, she said, Uncle Buddy... She said, the devil doesn't give me any problems. Uncle Buddy spoke with a lisp. And Uncle Buddy said, well, so the devil usually don't give anybody any problems that's going the same direction he is. <laughs> How do we know when revival will come? One is when we begin to praise him. That's what the Bible says. Boy, I, I'd like for it to break forth. I, brother, uh, uh, Marty Schott and his wife, Sony are coming down to our convention. Maybe the Parvars are coming down too. And uh, I don't know what will happen. It's not manufactured. But one year, it got out of banks down in Muncie, Indiana. Do you know what I mean by that? You, ever, you don't know what it means? I've got to explain it to my brother right up here. When it gets out of banks, you ever seen a river get out of banks? Yeah, it's getting where you, it, 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 it's no time to be messing around. You're either in the water or you better not be too far up on the bank. 38 preachers we thought were in the floor shouting, waving Bibles. I'm talking about shouting. I'm about scared Brother Marty from coming. <laughs> you say, well, that's emotionalism. Wonderful wonderful. How could you not be emotional when you're talking about the Savior of the world? The one that went to an old rugged cross took your place. Like the good Samaritan set him up on his beast, exchanged places and said, when I come back, I'll repay you. 
took him to the inn, took him to the local church. Amen. Boy, that's all right, isn't it? When will revival come? It'll come when you and I start praising him. But you know, I know a lot of people say, well, I ain't going to do that. No, I, I just ain't going to go to church and look nutty. Well, go to church and act nutty. You don't have to look it, just act it. You know what I mean to say? I believe there was something about the early church said they, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Don't tell me that man that was blind or that man that was lame, he never got up one time and said, well, got a nice to walk a little bit. Why, this feeling's right back in my leg over here. You know what he did? Somebody tell me. He leaped, did he not? Huh? I've been hoping the Lord would allow me to shout before I leave this world. I've got two requests. One, I want to shout. Secondly, I'd kind of like to hack a message. Nobody knows what hacking a message is, do you? Now, it's only germane down in the Carolinas down through there. My brother over here, he knows what hacking a message is. Hacking's when you kind of, you know, and, and, and I tell you, and, and, you know, that's hacking a message. A little boy came to his mother and he said, oh, mama, I've been called to preach. She said, let me hear you preach. He said, well, the, the dog went around the barn. She said, oh, no, you've not been called to preach. And he did that a couple times. And she, he finally came back and said, Mom, I have been called to preach. She said, let me hear you. He said, and that dog, and he, and he got beside, and he got beside that door, and he, she said, glory to God, you have been called to preach. <laughs> now, I'm not saying you got to preach that way, but I'm used to it. I, I, was, I was at a meeting this week. I didn't get to preach. They wanted to use good preachers. And so they, they used pastors, and I'm not a pastor. So they had six pastors, and one of the brethren there, he hacks just a little bit, but he's a wonderful man. Now, let's get back here to the message. Isaiah, what chapter are we in? 57 and 15, what does it say here? It says, for thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. You see, we're not going to have revival until we get a realization of God's holiness. It's more than a recognition. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. Jesus is a thrice holy God. He's the perfection of the Trinity, validates his holiness. Amen. The Bible said in Revelation 4 and 8, you might want to turn there, and the four beasts had each of them six wings about him. And they rest not day and night saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Psalm 29, 2 says, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Amen. Secondly, we'll know revival has come when we have a, a, a recognition of our need of humility. 
I see a lot of preachers anymore, and I don't mean it wrong, as I see some that have gotten arrogant because they've got a name or whatever. That's one of the things we need to resist. The pride of life, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eye, that's enough to hold you right there. Nobody needs any adoration but the Lord Jesus Christ. A preacher that preaches about his own success very seldom preaches about the Savior. The Bible said, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Philippians said, Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, the death of the cross. Wow! Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Remember when Mary did the Magnificat? When at his birth she began to give praise? I think that's what they call it, isn't it? Also, remember when the shepherds were in the field? They returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen. They didn't just come back from the fields. Now you know they didn't send. Lord, that was kind of a mystery. Reckon what that was. Something up in the sky there. No, they were glorifying. When Brother Schott gives you a time, sometime to testify, jump up, rear back and say, glory to God. Down in the south, they call it Hallelujah. Testify of him. Notice what it said here. In the early church, the Bible said they broke bread from house to house and did eat their meat with singleness, gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added daily such as should be saved. I believe there's a place for praise there. The Bible said in Ephesians 3.20, Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout the ages and without end, world without end. 1 Peter 2.9 says that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. How much time do I have, Brother Marty? Ten minutes? Do I have ten? About five or ten? All right, I'm closing. I hope, I'd like to see it happen one more time. I wish we could one more time just get back to some old-fashioned worship. And you know what? My good friends, the Primitive Quartet, Norm Wilson used to sing the tenor. He said, Andrew, we're not just singing about the Lord he said, we're singing to him. Is that right? Singing to him. Boy, that'll get it down where the rubber meets the road, won't it? You see, I believe this here. I believe this is all my heart. He said, man, man of sorrows, what a name. For the son of God who came, ruined sinners to reclaim. Boy, hallelujah, Brother Marty, what a savior. Bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place condemned he stood. 
sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Guilty, helpless, lost were we. Blameless Lamb of God was he. Sacrificed to set us free. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Boy, I like this part right here. It's getting closer for me. When he comes, our glorious king, all is ransomed, home to bring. Then anew the song we'll sing. Hallelujah, what a Savior. I'm going to a place where there will be no cloudy skies. I've got a little boy that was left us when he was six years old. He'll be waiting on us. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore comfort one another with these words. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm looking for that time. I believe that he's going to soon appear. How will we know when revival comes? When we see his holiness and we see our need of humility. I believe that's right, folks. We'll humble ourselves then. I pray that God would humble my heart. That God would draw me nigh, nigh to him. How close can you be to the Lord? How close would you like to be? Brother, the Lord will be just as close to you as you want him to be. You and I set the boundaries on how close. Would you like to be real close to him? I told my wife this the other day. I don't know why I'm going to repeat it. I said, the more we study our Bible, the more we'll want to study it. The less we study it, the less we'll want to study it. The more we pray, the more we'll want to pray. I believe there's some kind of axiom in all of that. I just know one thing. Boy, we sure could use a revival, couldn't we? I'd like to see one break forth for the preachers. We're being brother shot and this preacher back here and maybe lap an aisle two or three times. You'd say, well, I'm not going to see that. How do you know you won't? Boy, that woman saw that man yesterday. Sure wasn't him. But I mean, she gave him two or three kisses right on the lips. She was off the floor. She hadn't seen that man. You could tell he hadn't been gone just two days. Brother Marty, he'd been gone for a while. But he's coming again. Amen. And when we see him, we shall be like him. Amen. We'll know him as he is. And we'll thank him for that wonderful blood that he shed for us on Calvary's tree, Brother Marty.